0: Morning. Our psalm this uh, psalm setting this morning is from Psalm 66. you can stand, we'll sing together. Praise our God, O oh people, let the sound of His praise be heard. Praise, O oh God, our people, let the sound. His praise, be
1: heard. praise our God, O oh people. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip? For you, O oh God, have tried us as silver is tried, yet you have brought us out of a place of abundance. Praise our God,
0: O oh people. That the sound of his praise be heard. Praise our God, O oh people, let the sound
1: of his praise be heard. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Praise our God, O people Let the
0: sound of His praise be heard Praise our God, O people Let the sound of His praise be heard Crown Him with many crowns The Lamb upon His throne save you, he will save you, he will save you now, yes, Jesus is the truth. Save you, he will save you, he will save you now. Come in and join this holy band to.
1: Come before the Lord in prayer. Father, as we gather here this morning, we pray that you meet us here in this place. Meet us in the fullness of your Spirit and the glory of your presence, and remind us who we are called to be and what we are called to love in this world. As we gather here, remind those of us who feel the weariness of work that you have called us to share in the goodness of your creation and that you bless our faithful labor even when it seems in vain. Remind those of us who are weighed down by the worry of not having work that you are still at work in our lives in seasons that seem barren. Remind those of us in this church and in our community that are struggling with illness or have lost a loved one that our physical frailty and death are not the final word. Remind those of us who feel the burdens of getting and spending to place our hopes and energies and treasures in a place where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. This morning, comfort us by your presence. Let us all rest in you and be renewed by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Children are now dismissed for children's worship. Um, We'll now continue our service with the time of of confession. We'll first do so together corporately, um, and then we'll have a time to, to bring our personal confessions to the Lord. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us confess our sin to God. Lord, we are prone to forget your promises. We are prone to see only ourselves and to live as though you, O Lord, powerless in the face of our circumstances. A our sins before the Lord in a time of um, silent confession. Father, we thank you that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, that you do not deal with us according to our sins, but that you show us compassion um, when we call upon your name, that you show compassion on your children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Um, Now let us greet each other um, in the name of Christ as we have been welcomed.
0: the even time the darkness deepens lord with me the bitterness, where is thy sting death, where grave thy victory, I triumph still. This morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life and death, Lord, abide with me. You may be seated.
2: Our Old Testament lesson is... From 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 and 7 through 15. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the, in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were here with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Pharpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage, but his servants came near and said to him, my father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company And he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. And the gospel lesson is Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 19. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town... Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bear, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another this is the word of the lord
3: good morning it's good to be able to to join you in worship this morning and uh... we're going to continue our sermon series uh... through the book of romans we're looking at selections from the first uh, half of that uh, new testament book Uh, Thank you, Robin, for reading from the scriptures. Uh, Before we read our passage from uh, chapter 3 in Romans, I just want to mention the Psalm 23. I want to start there. Maybe you're familiar. That's one of the better-known psalms or passages in all the Bible that starts, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. In this psalm, David describes life as a journey with the shepherd, a journey that includes the Valley of Shadows. Uh, not that long ago, during a time where I felt kind of weary or just kind of challenged by all the things going on in life. I came across an author named Mary all who wrote a reflection on Psalm 23. And in a reflection, she wrote, yes, I am in a valley right now. This place is dark, full of dread. I cannot see what might be around the corner in the shadows. But you are with me. There are mountains in my life that often make my life seem small. They loom over me, and I can't get distance from them in this valley. But you are with me. Her reflection follows the pattern of David in the psalm when he wrote, Lord, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? Why does David say this? He says, because you, Lord, are with me. In a place of darkness and dread, when you can't see what's ahead, as mountains loom over him, David finds that there is somewhere to go, or as he put it, someone with him. I will not fear. It's not because he has plenty of money or because everyone thinks well of him or because he knows what to do. No, I will not fear, because you, Lord, are with me. This source of hope, this idea that I am not alone, but one is with me, is the same source of hope that the letter of Romans has been circling around us. It's inviting us to think about this promise, especially in relationship maybe to the questions that we've been asking Does God leave us in our sin and misery? Or am I alone just with my own resources or my own questions? And what Romans has been inviting us to see is that the gospel of God, what the the letter is about, is the answer is no, that you and I are not alone. That there is something more than just my resources that I can bring to the table. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to the small church in Rome, but he makes clear that it's not him, it's not that church that's the main subject of the letter, but rather the main subject is what he calls the gospel of God. The gospel of God, this announcement that God, because of his great love through Jesus, through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, has acted to rescue all who believe, Jew and Gentile, the wise and the fool. To answer that question, does God leave us with the answer of no? We see this continued theme in our passage today. But here, this message that God is with us and God is for us, it is communicated through the phrase, the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. We see in this righteousness this promise that we are not alone, but that in Christ, God is with us and for us. So let's look at our passage. This is from Romans three, verse 19 through 26. You can follow in your order or you can follow in your Bible. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been made, has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is God's word that's given for our good. Well, as I said, our passage is about the righteousness of God. What I want us to see, I'm hoping that we'll see is that this righteousness speaks of God's character, that God is faithful even when we are unfaithful. But also this righteousness speaks of God's actions especially the action of giving the gift of Jesus. So we're going to ask two questions as we go through our passage. The, The first question is, what does this reveal about God's character, God's nature? And the second question is, what is the gift that God gives? So let's start with this first question. What does our passage reveal? What does the righteousness of God reveal about God's character, about who God is? In order to answer this, we we need to actually begin by talking about our condition. And we read, there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're invited to think for a moment about who we are and who all our neighbors are, that all of us are made in the image of God. God. But all of us have fallen short of living this purpose. All of us have fallen short of loving God with our being and loving our neighbors as ourselves. You see, just in that one verse, it summarizes what Paul has been communicating the last few chapters, chapters one through three, that all, both Jew and Gentile, are under sin, that there is no one righteous, that all have turned aside. And it's important that we think and hear this idea of no distinction. There is no distinction. That every rank, every race, every culture, every creed, Jew and Gentile, the immoral, the the moralizer, the religious, the non-religious, what is being said is that all without distinction before God are unrighteous and unjust. In light of this universal and pervasive condition, Paul offers a conclusion and where our passage began that no human being will ever be declared righteous in good standing in God's sight by what he or she does. All are under sin. And I mentioned this last week, but it's worth us thinking again that sin described here is not just an occasional mistake or an occasional failure, but here is kind of getting to the, to the root, to the core, this idea that sin is like a cruel tyrant that holds us down and that all of us are imprisoned in guilt, burdened with shame, under condemnation. And what we're invited to see to is that all of us, we cannot stand upon ourselves, that we can't, through our own strength or our own performance, get out from under that which is holding us. That no matter what we try or what plans we come up with, this burden that's upon us, we cannot get it off of us. We can't get free by our performance or what we can offer or promise to do. That's our condition. And it can be challenging words, but it is crucial for us to grasp our condition. And after hearing, though, this condition, our passage says, but now. Do you see the transition? But now God has intervened. But now God's righteous character has been revealed. What has been revealed about who God is, about God's character? In the face of our unfaithfulness, God is faithful. All are under sin, but now the faithfulness of God has been made known. No one can be justified by works of the law, but now apart from the law, there is a righteousness through faith in Jesus. But now, these are two important words. Two important words. And in these words, we're reminded of another reality, one beyond you and beyond me, beyond this world. In these two words, we rejoice that there is a voice and a power beyond all other voices and all other powers. One author trying to grasp what this is saying, describes the righteousness of God as the even so, or the nevertheless, or or despite all this. Meaning, imagine this, despite all humanity's evil or injustice, God is faithful. Even though I have chosen to do this or have failed to do that, God is faithful. Faithful. One of the questions that I think is so important for us as a church, but us also individually, and a question that I think many of us have or comes to mind is, what is our God like? What is the character of God? Like, who, who is God? And this is a question that gets addressed numerous places in the Scripture. In the Old Testament, there's a place in Exodus 34 where it's almost like a, an answer to this question The Lord is a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And reminded of us this morning when we prayed. Or there's Psalm 147, who is God? The Lord God is the one who lifts up those who have fallen, who gathers the outcast, who binds up the brokenhearted. And here in Romans, if we ask the question, What is God like? What we're being invited to see over and over again is our God is the one who justifies the unjust. Our God is the one who declares righteous those who are wicked. This is what our God is like. In response to our unfaithfulness, God is faithful. I don't, I don't know about you, but that sounds really great, right? It sounds beautiful and wonderful. But maybe you recall earlier in Romans, or maybe you just have your own kind of question of how this all works out. But in chapter 1, we read that God has anger towards injustice and anger towards unrighteousness. And that this anger is not, you know, a rage or he's, some kind of explosion or out of control, but rather God's anger is a steady, determined posture against injustice, against evil. And so how can God justify the ungodly? How can God have this posture against that which is wrong and broken but be faithful in the face of our unfaithfulness? Well, the solution to that question, most importantly, is not something that you create. The solution to that challenge is not something that I create or that we make happen. If You wanna grasp the message of the gift is that this is not something that you and I do, but it is a gift of God, the gift of the cross of Jesus. In this gift of Jesus, God becomes both just and the justifier of all who have faith. God is the one who is against that which is evil, but the one who remains faithful and redeems those who are ungodly. So this is who God is. And this is who God is. And the cross then leads us to the second question of what is the gift that God gives? What is the gift that he gives out of who he is. And there's the verse that we can read that we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. There's a lot happening in that verse. And so I want us to take some time to kind of work our way through this, starting first that we are justified. This is is the gift. This is what God gives. We are justified. So justification is the opposite of being condemned. But both of these are pronouncements. Condemnation is the announcement of guilt, a formal censure, You have lost your standing in some regard. And while condemnation is a loss, justification is the opposite. It is a positive where we are not merely forgiven, but we have a new standing, a new pronouncement. And this pronouncement is the opposite of condemnation. It is the announcement that you and I are fully accepted by God. Our new standing, fully accepted by God. And the source of this new standing, our full acceptance and peace with God, is God's grace through Jesus. It's not our credentials, but from beginning to end, this standing is a gift that God gives And it's crucial to hear that, that it's from beginning to end. It's not just, let me get you started with a few good steps. But the gift of God is that each and every day of our life, our standing is a gift that he gives us in Christ. And that's why we can say a radical thought that there is nothing that I can do to make God love me more or less. Nothing I can do to make God love me more or less because my standing is from beginning to end, is set in the person of Christ. It's a gift. So we are justified. This is the gift. And so we can ask, how does God justify the unjust? Well, the next part of that verse is that this gift comes through the redemption that is in Jesus so this is the gift that grace here is described as God in love stooping down. God meeting us and coming to us in our darkest and most broken places. To go back to our beginning, the God who is with us through the valley of the shadows. God joins us in Jesus. See, all without distinction are under sin and unable to get out from under through our own work or through our own strength, but now while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this death redeems us, meaning it liberates us. It throws off that tyrant that was holding us down, telling us that we were guilty and covered in shame and condemned. We were unable to free ourselves, but We have been freed in what God did for us. Recently, I I saw a post by an author, uh, James K.A. Smith, where he talks about being in Rome. Sounds pretty nice. He and his wife ventured out of the normal tourist places, he says, to grab some dinner. And he wrote in the blog post, they came across a park alive with people. Joggers making laps an outdoor yoga class, children playing skateboarders. And he writes, what struck my American eyes were the ruins that these Romans skirted around without the least attention or concern. There was a villa centuries old, simply corded off in the middle of the park with a wire fence, given over to grass growing inside. And there were ancient pillars from who knows what structure, just lying in a pile in the middle of the park, overgrown, ignored. No labels or historical markers anywhere in sight. He asks, reflecting on this, how do we deal with the past? Americans have been conditioned to almost always respect newness. But in societies, ancient ones like Rome, it can almost be overwhelming by history, kind of having one's neck always turned back, kind of thinking of the past. And as we think about God's gift to us in Christ, I wonder how we deal with the past. How do we face who we are or how we've been treated? How do we handle painful or shame filled memories. How do we handle what we have done or failed to do. Maybe we are overwhelmed. Seeming to always look back. Or maybe we hold on to half truths. Denying or forgetting what we don't want to remember. Or maybe we speak of newness, I'm only looking forward. How do we deal with the past? The gospel speaks to such questions. See, our God who is just becomes the justifier of sinners. In his love, God presents Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement or propitiation, meaning that Jesus took our place in a full sense, identifying and bearing our wounds, our burdens, our shame and our guilt and our condemnation. The cross speaks powerfully into all time do you see how our passage addresses that? The past and the present. And when the cross looks and speaks into all time, there is no half-truths. There is no denying of certain things, no avoiding. God doesn't compromise his standing against evil. He does not wave his hand at sin or mistreatment and say it's no big deal. Rather, through Jesus, he fully bears the weight and the cost of it he takes our past and takes God's posture of anger away Jesus takes all this and gives us a new standing and so it's from this new standing that we can be honest about the past honest about our experiences and about ourselves that we can even look it in the eye that God knows it fully, yet in his atoning blood, he has said we are his and fully accepted by him. Our passage even says beyond that, that the cross is this demonstration. It's a public revelation, an announcement. I was under sin, but now Christ bears my sin. I was condemned and burdened by all that I've failed to be and do. But now once for all, Jesus has atoned for my past and my presence fully liberating me and saying that I belong to him. This is the good news. This is the good news. That all that sought to hold us, to tell us who we were or who we were not, Jesus has taken us out from under it and we belong to him. We're told that this gift, this justification through the redemption of Jesus is received in faith. So today, all who are weary, all who do not want to even think about the past or the present, hear the good news. A gift is being offered to you, not because you're worthy or because promises you make for tomorrow, but a gift that you can simply receive with empty hands. For that is what faith is, not our contributing, not our somehow completing it, but just receiving it. So today, let us acknowledge our need that we can't get out on our own, but that God has given us a gift. Let us receive it in faith in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, that you are a God that is good and faithful, even when we are not thank you that you do not dis- dismiss sin, but that you address it fully, that we can be free and walk in newness of life. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Would you stand so we sing together? stuff. as wounds which mar the chosen one of your
3: you created heaven and earth made us in your image and kept covenant with us even when we turned away and fell into sin we give thanks and ask that you our Heavenly Father save us and keep us in this world of wandering as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn Having heard God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. And as we gather to receive this gift, it's good to pause and to remind ourselves of the significance of what it is that we see and hold and taste. This table tells us about who God is the God who justifies the unjust or the ungodly. But it also makes it clear, again, that there is no distinction our place at the family meal of God it's not that some of us you know did enough to get here some of us are generally okay and some of us are really you know lucky lucky we squeaked in you know none of that there is no distinction making clear that wherever our status before the world our place at God's family table is because of his grace to us in Christ it is a gift the seat is a gift and the gift is set before us in the broken body and shed blood of Christ. So coming to this table invites us to be honest about ourselves that we cannot get out from under the burden that holds us. We need God to act for us. And it's through his gift that we have a place in his family. That new standing is by his gift and grace from beginning So if you are a follower of Christ, if you know of your need and have placed your faith in Christ, receiving that gift, then come and eat, for this table belongs to Christ and it's for his people. If you're not a follower of Christ, let this table be a witness to you about who God is and an invitation. We're thankful that you're here and that you can witness this work that God has done in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. We pray that you set apart this cup and bread. And that by your spirit, you would meet us, meet us where we are. And by your spirit, remind us again of your grace that forgives, your grace that lifts our head, your grace that tells us that we are sons and daughters. Nourish our souls by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Those who are serving, I'm writing to come forward at this time. Just a couple notes, and if you're participating in a communion, I invite you to come down the center aisle. You can receive the bread and the cup and go back on the sides. If you're able, I ask that you'd hold the elements since everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not taking communion today, I still invite you to come forward. If you come forward, just put your arm across your chest. We can offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. Let us come now to the table that God sets for his people. Christ was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. response to this table of grace I invite you to stand that as God's people we can pray and sing and confess our faith together. Lord Jesus Christ you are our true rest and shelter by your spirit help us to be imitators of God walking in love and obedience to you. Let us rest in your grace and promise of life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. First Corinthians 15, let us declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, We're going to continue worship through the... Responding to God's generosity by giving our, our gifts to the work of the church, so the greeters who are receiving uh, the offering can come forward. There's a gray basket that you can put your uh, communion cup in, and then there's the a tray that you can uh, give your gift. You'll notice in here also that you can, if you'd like to give a gift to the church, you can also do so through the church's website or through texting as well. I uh, just want to take a moment to uh, say again, welcome. Glad that you're here, especially if you're visiting, if you're joining us today. Uh, for the first time or just start coming recently we're really glad that you're here and thankful that you have joined us uh, if you see in the back of your order there is a QR code uh, that you can uh, you know, use your phone to fill out you know, a connect card and share your information with us uh, we'd love to be able to follow up uh, also we send out a weekly email every Tuesday with kind of information about the church and ways to get involved and love to be able to include that so uh, you know fill that out or uh, also if you have questions feel free to talk to me or, or one of the greeters uh, after of the service. A couple of things just to, to note, um, you'll see in your order that there is an intro to LSBC lunch, and we do this each fall, and it's a chance just for whether you just start coming, you've been coming for a while, this lunch is a chance to learn more about what the church believes and kind of our values as a church community, and also what it means to be a member of the church, so that's on November 6th, uh, shortly after the service, it's, it'll just be around the corner at our office and community space on Rockwell. If you're interested, uh, let me know. If you have questions, let me know. I'm happy to tell you more about this. Let's continue uh, worshiping to the giving of our gifts.
0: Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Uh...
3: God's blessing. Just a couple of reminders I forgot to mention. There is a youth group today over at the community space and there is coffee and bagels outside. So hopefully you can stay after for a time of hospitality and get to know each other. Now receive God's blessing as the mountains surround Jerusalem. May the love of God surround you now and always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>